Hello, and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. So, you guys feeling pretty spooky? Uh, You've been doing lots of spooky things? I, um, I watch a lot of spooky movies, but I always watch a lot of spooky movies. Yeah. Nothing? It's a little hard. I mean, I the decorated name? like my little my little area with some Halloween lights and decorations and mm-hmm. made it a little spooky. I've been drinking out of my spooky cup a lot recently. Yeah, I did notice that you have um, your seasonal cup. I do have my seasonal cup. Um, mm-hmm. And then my seasonal mugs at home that I use in the mornings. That's about it. It's a little hard to get as spooky as normal. Like, I, I don't... There's nowhere for me to wear a costume, so I'm not, like, getting costumes together. Or around the house. Anything like that. Well, just around the true. house. But then I have online classes, so then do I just show up to my online classes in costume? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, you do. Uh, Charlie has done that. She showed up for her his first week of school. She showed up for... No, it wasn't that. I guess it wasn't that long ago. It was pretty close. Well, Charlie is six. She showed yeah. up for her, one of her one of her early online classes dressed as Carmen Sandiego. I, I think that that's more acceptable for a kindergartner, but... yeah. You could try it out. Who knows? Maybe you like, could make it a thing. <laughs> I show up to my online discussion about dictatorships and democracies around the world, and I'm just dressed in some, I don't know, like, I don't even know what I would go as this year. There's no, like, there's been no big cultural, like, events or movies or anything or TV shows because everything has stopped. So there's no like, oh, everyone's going to be that this year. I saw there's a, a sexy hand sanitizer costume. I <laughs> Well, hmm. if you'd like to be that. <laughs> uh, hmm. Now, I will say you could do hmm. you could do an old school plague doctor because that has a benefit mm-hmm. of having a built in mask. That's so true. You're good to I go. Ha- I have a costume. I'm not surprised. <laughs> what do you have that for exactly? That's- when did you wear it? I haven't yet. When are you going to wear it? I don't know. I just okay. got it. It just felt like <laughs> Justin and I saw it when we went to the Halloween store one time, and it felt like something I should have. Well, sure. Just okay. in case. Just, just in case. Just in case. <laughs> you never know when you need a Plague Doctor costume. I guess that's fair. And, and now, I guess, now's the time. You yeah. laid your cards right there. You could go as, I don't know how you, you could go as the last roll of toilet paper. That's very scary. Yeah. Um... What relevant if, to 2020. I mean, if I went as like a CDC, in, in, uh, what am I looking for? Epidemiologist. Epidemiologist. And I wear the big hazmat suit. Mm-hmm. Then like that's a costume, but also I'm safe. Mm-hmm. Then you're safe. And But then also if you're representing the CDC, we have to wonder if you've been compromised by the administration mm-hmm. the whole time. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's very nerve wracking. Then what's a good Halloween pun on CDC? Like or, they always have, you know, like puns on like FBI <laughs> or CIA. What's one for the CDC? <laughs> we could all just go as Fauci in That'd honor in honor of Dr. Fauci. Um, you could be like a like have like a, a ruler that extends either side of you. Six feet? Yeah, you could be sexy six feet of social distancing. <laughs> sexy social distancing. Yes. Um, and it would keep you, people away from you. That's can true. Can you make a dress that looks like a mask? Probably. Sexy well, sexy mask. It's a giant <laughs> mask. Just all masks. Two masks. Kind of need one for the back and one for the front. What if I just did what they do at some of those um, 
restaurants I saw where they gave people hats that have like the pool noodles coming from them mm-hmm. or like the big like inner tubes you have to like stand in. What if I just wore like an inner tube that I put pool noodles on that were six feet and then did the same thing on a hat and I was just social distancing. You know, whatever everyone decides to be this year, I know a great place to wear whatever costume you might want to wear. Where? Uh, to vote. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. There you go. Yeah. I just thought I'd throw that in yeah. there. That's Voting a great... Important. If, that We shouldn't be having parties or get-togethers, but we should be voting. And that's like a party. I already voted. Me, well, me too. At my home. Yeah, me too. Just make I drop, sure... I, I dropped my ballot off though. I didn't. I didn't mail it. Yeah. I got nervous. Didn't trust that, and so I dropped it off just to be on the safe. Although, if you, I mean, if you mail it in early enough, it should be. You should be just fine. But uh, I, we dropped ours off directly at the courthouse, and then I checked online, and they said it was received, which I know it was received. I handed it to you. <laughs> That's good, Linda. Well, I mean, you know, you can't take anything for granted in this election. You had those fake mm-hmm. ballot boxes popping up in California, <laughs> just trash cans it said ballot box or ballot drop ballot drop off <laughs> i think uh, i i think if you if you can vote in person safely do that mm-hmm. and you can do it in costume now no your costume cannot be political right. in any way yeah right so nothing political because then they won't let you come in and vote and and, a, and i think at this point now if you if you do have a costume that is in any way referencing ppe or even dr fauci that might be viewed as as political that's too political yeah because mm. it's been politicized <gasps> public safety yeah yeah and i mean I think uh, a very popular costume seems to be dressing as a handmaid from The Handmaid's Tale. I, I imagine that's now considered political because mm-hmm. they might think you're going dressed as a nominee for the Supreme Court. So, yeah. um, I mean, I'm dressing my guinea pig up as, as a tiny Ruth Bader Ginsburg because that is who she is named after oh, in her memory. Right. I got her a tiny little gavel and a tiny little piece of lace. That will make a tiny little collar. But she's probably not going to go vote, huh? No, she's not going to go vote, but she is going to look very cute. Sydney, I just like we I just wanted to steer this conversation back to something that I thought would bring everyone joy. And that's the fact that my tiny guinea pig will be wearing a tiny little collar and holding a tiny gavel. Voting brings everyone joy. (laughs) Right. Uh, You know, this year, I think I don't know if, if there's joy to be found in voting. I think it's just. Yeah, voting has become less an act of triumph and more an act of desperation. Desperation, yeah, yeah that's what yeah. I was going to say. Um, yeah, but please vote, though, for real. We'll move on, but please, please vote. Please vote. Yeah. <laughs> My guinea pig would want you to. Yeah. So And also not for Trump. I don't, did I say that? Don't. No, you didn't, yeah. but that's no, important don't to add. <laughs> yeah, I made the mistake of tweeting something that, got a lot of retweets and at the end it said please vote and then i of course got the trolls that commented and said i will be voting for trump well okay i should have guess i should have added that in there um yeah (laughs) (laughs) there there was a time when we used to say no matter who you vote for just vote yeah i'm just saying i didn't say that (laughs) i'm just saying i didn't say that now anyway We'll let that just sit there. We'll let that sit there. Um, Do you know what 
I don't know. I was going to, uh, there's nothing to be done. I don't, I've gotten a, hey, Tay. Yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about this week? Well, this is a, I, I think I'm going to try to switch us to a cheerier topic. And that's going to uh-huh. involve like demonic possession and cannibalism. Because that's better, actually. <laughs> it, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's a lot more fun. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I do want to, uh, I, I obviously, I, I, as I mentioned last week, I brought Jennifer's body to the, the table this week. But I, I do want to just, on a whole, I, I've been... Uh, I kind of was uh, in September I didn't do what I usually do watch a lot of horror movies but I have in October I've been kind of watching one or two a day and it's been making me feel a little better and I'm trying to figure out the catharsis of like watching really gory brutal horror movies is weirdly like making me not freak out as much about the rest of the world I don't know hmm. I don't know what is it that like is? the one thing we can experience that we're like at least that's not happening to me right now, I guess. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Or it's like, like kind of, you know, like that uh, euphoria when you get off a roller coaster because you survive something that you knew yeah. you were going to survive. That safety fear balance. Like mm. maybe it's going through that motion. Mm. Like it's all going to be okay. But oh, it's not. I put on another movie. I watched the whole Saw franchise, just one after the other. Like just fill in the space. Uh, yeah. Well. You know, I think if it brings you comfort right now, <laughs> whatever works. There's probably a yeah. psychological understanding of that that I, I don't I don't know, but uh, it, it works. I I would say you're right. A fear you can control. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I wanted to talk about uh, Jennifer's body. Uh, it came out in 2009. Um, widely panned by critics. Uh, kind of written off as gay bait as. Um, Really, more speci- more uh, more so, it got written off as just kind of sexploitation. Like it was, you know, for the male gaze, just a stupid horror movie that was showing off Megan Fox being hot. Um, but uh, but you know, it was it was written by Diablo Cody, who was just coming off of Juno success, and uh, and Karen Kusama was the director. So all all female writing directing team. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of clues you in that there maybe was more there than then meets the eye or, or met the eye back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely, um, I, it, it surprises me that like, well, it doesn't surprise me that people weren't on board and understanding it back then. Mm-hmm. It, but it does surprise me that it was made back then. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, well, it feels, it feels very current. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I think, I think it, it, was definitely ahead of its time. Um, and, and, you know, I think that the the advertising around it, uh, I do it like the setup for when this movie released, both the, in the trailers that came out, like it just highlighted like, here's Megan Fox, you know, coming out of a pool looking sexy. Like here's Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried like making out. Mm-hmm. Like it was very much just like, this is going to be a sexy demon romp, which mm-hmm, is not, mm-hmm what I would say the movie is. No. Uh, No. Yeah. And then the other thing that I think is important to frame this with is this is post-Transformers Megan Fox, right after the big explosion where she made some comments about Michael Bay and then a bunch of the members of the production team on Transformers wrote a letter defending him and completely attacking her, attacking her character. You know, there was a lot of just gross sexism, slut-shaming, all sorts of really just horrible attacks on on mm-hmm. Megan Fox. Uh, Michael Bay posted it to his website, and then it resulted in Megan Fox getting fired. So this was all happening in this movie, which probably fed into the panning and rejection of this this entire production. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and I can see too if it was if if it was marketed wrong because it so the thing that surprised me, I had never seen it before. And the thing that surprised me is when I went into it, I expected it to be kind of like a gory, sexy teen horror film. You know what I mean? Like very typical, like, oh, she's the hot popular girl and now she's evil and she's going to eat boys. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I mean, it never occurred to me that like I was going into something that had like other themes or was using some of these ideas in what I think is kind of like an allegorical way like that was not what I was expecting Mm -hmm. and I wonder how many people if it was marketed kind of like you say more like look how hot Megan Fox is and now she's going to eat people like Mm -hmm. you know how many people were like well this is not the movie that I thought it was going to be well and I do think what you described is sort of the the rough premise so I mean you know that's that's not wrong like there's a, a hot chick and her nerdy best friend Hot girl mm-hmm. gets uh, sacrificed to, to Satan by this band that's rolling through town. The sacrifice goes wrong, and she comes back as a demon. And then she eats boys, and her nerdy best friend has to defeat her. So that is the the wrap of the movie. But there's a lot more going on than just that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one thing though that I was thinking about as I was thinking about like horror movie tropes and and watching the characters in this movie, and that's that usually in horror movies that are centered around teenagers and more specifically teenage girls um if you have sex you get punished right and you get killed um usually that's like a a pretty common thing and in this case it's kind of a weird like lose lose almost like megan fox didn't die because she had had sex but then she did become possessed by a demon because they were supposed to sacrifice a virgin and she was not. Yeah. Um, so that was a little, I mean, I guess good that we mm. weren't killing girls for having <laughs> sex, but also is becoming possessed by a demon better? Because then she, I mean, I don't know. I mean, no, at the end of the day, it's not better because she must then be destroyed. Right. It, kind of in the, in the like logic of the film. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, on the flip side, she's able to eat boys. Yeah. You know? It gives her power <laughs> so. to destroy men, um, which is something. Well, so there's that. I mean, and I guess presumably she could be eating girls, too. Yeah. She's, she chooses to eat she boys. She chooses but men. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I, think that, I, I think that that kind of, um, I mean, the, the fact that she has power, it's such a, it's such a common, even like the, 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 the image of, of Megan Fox in this movie, you know, she it's it's the that evil female character with power that we see repeated. I mean, it's a Disney trope. It's a, it's you know that's mm-hmm. such a a common employment. And why do we have to? I I don't think the movie is as straightforward as and then she has power, so she's bad, so we kill her. I think it's more right. of a look at that sort of a character. Like, how did she get the power through trauma? Like. It's mm-hmm. because something horrible happened to her that she has this ugliness inside of her, this demon. Um, and now she has to be killed for it. And I think, I would like to think that it's a, it, it's aware that it's invoking that character of the evil, sexy, powerful female. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I would think it would have to be. And that, because they, um, it's not just she has this demon that she can't control that occasionally makes her do this bad thing. 
like the entire character becomes very um, cruel mm-hmm. and removed, you know, because this community is suffering this series of tragic deaths. And obviously, in part, she's removed because she is causing them. Mm-hmm. But even like the, the big fire in the bar that happens early in the film when a ton of people die, which she didn't cause. Mm-hmm. She was there for, but she didn't cause. She is not affected by or concerned about because of the demon i'm assuming yeah but like they make sure that you know she has she is a complete i'm assuming completely different person than yeah. she was before well i think it's you know, it's interesting mm-hmm. because you see uh the uh, the scene where she is sacrificed is kind of hard to watch um because i yes. think i think it's it's a bit of a of a parallel to a sexual assault scene. I mean, she's not sexually assaulted in the movie. It's she's just stabbed to death. But it's hard to not see that as a, a woman who is restrained and being taken advantage of by a bunch of young men for their advancement in life. Like that is yes. what is happening. And so often in society, when that happens, which it does, uh, it doesn't matter what the right the the woman's pain, the woman's suffering, the woman's death uh, doesn't matter. We don't we don't care. We don't resonate on it. It doesn't impact us. Like the deaths we're mourning in this movie are young men, and it's mm-hmm. kind of a it's a, a bit of a turn face that Jennifer is. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying it's you know Jennifer's indifference at this suddenly now it's men suffering is sort of a parallel to how we how we treat women suffering so often. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was part of why I found myself like as the film progressed, I be I was becoming increasingly uncomfortable. Because I didn't know how, like I said, this was the first time I'd seen it. I didn't know how it resolved. And I didn't feel like it was going to resolve in, like there was a way to resolve that would make me truly happy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Because towards, and I mean, obviously we're spoiling the movie. In case anybody was wondering, I'm going to talk about all the plots, all the plot points. Um, Towards the end of the film, the kind of the final, like what finally separates Jennifer and Needy is when Jennifer kills Chip, Needy's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And that is like the thing that Needy can't forgive or get past or whatever. And so I, I guess it's essential for Needy to finally decide Jennifer has to be stopped. But like up until then, I, I'm thinking like, I don't want to see this character punished because the wrong was done to her. Mm-hmm. It's not her fault. It's not like she was the one that tried to make some sort of deal with the devil and ended up becoming a demon. No, I want... She was a victim. I want... I want Adam Brody and his band. (laughs) (laughs) I need... Unfortunately, I I feel very sad wanting Seth from the OC to pay, Uh, but I need him to. Sorry, he's (laughs) Nikolai Wolf here, so... (laughs) Okay, all right. I'll try to think of him that way. That's all I could think of was like, not Seth. It was so hard to watch him as (laughs) anything other than Seth. (laughs) But uh, but Adam Brody, Nikolai wolf (laughs) needs to pay and his band needs to pay and i want to see them pay i want to see like up until chip dies all i'm thinking is this is going to be great needy and jennifer are going to hook up and go kill this band together (laughs) this is like in my mind okay maybe that's a satisfactory end but then she's still got to eat people periodically to survive so how do we reconcile? I just, well, I felt like yeah. I don't know exactly what's coming, but I'm not going to feel satisfied, you know? I had the same exact thought process and my hope while I was watching it was 
what if when they kill the band that made her a demon, then the demon is released? Mm. Like, there's no longer, like, they're oh, not benefiting. You were hopeful. I was. I was <laughs> like, well, the band won't be benefiting from, like, this sacrifice they made anymore. So maybe she'll stop being possessed if they can kill the people that sacrificed her. But then that is not the direction that the film went no. in. <laughs> well, and I, I mean, I think that the... I think the idea with Jen- I think that that moment, and they replay the scene a couple times where you see Needy make eye contact with Jennifer as she's in, you know, the the band takes her in their in her van after after this mm-hmm. fire. They, the two girls get separated. Jennifer goes with the band and gets murdered. Uh, but there's a scene where Needy's looking at Jennifer the last time she sees her as a, a living human, mm-hmm. and it's very it's it's sad because I feel like that's the moment. That's when Jennifer dies. That's the end of Jennifer. Yes. From there on, we're mm-hmm. dealing with the demon, and so I think that's why it's like. There was not, that was the moment that the hope was gone for me. It, at that point, it mm-hmm. was just needy understanding that, you know, her, that these people took her best friend away and that that is, whatever is left over isn't, isn't Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was hard. It was hard too because as that scene was happening, I was, I was yelling like, needy, stop them. No, don't let yeah. her, don't let her get in the van. <laughs> I didn't know exactly where we were going, but I knew it was somewhere bad. I know Adam Brody has a trustworthy face, but please just don't trust him. Well, look at that van. Look at the van. <laughs> well, and that's why I, I don't think that reading it as a parallel to sexual assault is not meant to be how it's read because they make several rep- references to it looks like a looks like a rapist van. Like, and she literally yeah. asks them when they're driving off with her if that's their intent. Yeah, yeah. To which one of them? To which replied, Adam yeah. Brody responds, "I hate girls." <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. well, I don't think it's a wild question. <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, I think that they needed to make that band as disgusting as possible. Yeah, as they succeeded. Like, yes, it's about, it's, yes, as misogynist as they possibly could. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially considering what the credits, um, the scene that takes place on, as the credits roll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's your happy end. Uh, Which I almost missed. Oh, God, really? I didn't. Yeah. Really? Well, I was oh. watching it before I went to bed, so I was like, oh, it's over, and turn it off. And then as I was going to, like, close it out, then I saw it start. I was like, oh, wait. Hold on. Uh, well, let's... Okay, let's talk about that. But before we do that... Let's check the group message. What are we going to talk about first this week? Well, first, I want to talk to you about my dinner. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I, I can understand why talking about this movie about cannibalism would it, make you hungry. Yeah, I, I haven't eaten today so far. I'm just really hungry right now. Uh, I want to talk about my dinner because I get my dinner from HelloFresh, America's mm. number one meal kit. I'm in college and I don't have time to learn how to cook a lot of things or go to the store and buy lots of ingredients. But HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients so you're not overbuying, which is a burden on the planet and your wallet. So you're saving yourself some money, but you're also saving everybody else because you're getting exactly as much as you need. No food waste. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can also easily change your delivery days or food preferences and skip a week whenever you need. So if there's a week where I have some extra food left over or if there's a week where like a Monday works better than a Thursday, I can switch that up whenever I want. HelloFresh is going to help me out. And there's something for everyone, including low-calorie, vegetarian, and kid-friendly recipes. So, for Tay, who's vegan, for Sydney, who has kids, Mm -hmm. there's something for everybody. For me, who's just, I don't have any special needs, but, you know, (laughs) I I just, 
You'll just eat whatever. I'll just eat whatever they send me because it's always very tasty. And you get a new you get a new recipe. That's the other advantage of HelloFresh is that, you know, sometimes you get kind of stuck in a rut and you don't really if you're not like a professional chef and you don't really know what to cook next, Mm -hmm. you need recipe ideas and HelloFresh sends them to you. Yeah. So it gives you lots of good things to know how to cook in the future, but also just some some good tasty foods to eat in the now. Um, so Tay, if our listeners want to check out HelloFresh, what should they do? Well, they should go to HelloFresh.com slash 80stillbuffering and use code 80stillbuffering, that's eight zero to get a total of $80 off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. That's HelloFresh.com slash 80stillbuffering and code 80stillbuffering for a total of $80 off across five boxes. The other thing I want to tell you all about this week, uh... You want to talk about your dinner? I want to talk about my pants. Again. Talk about your pants. Sure. I'm going to talk this about my normal. pants. Oh. Yep. <laughs> Everything is normal now. Beta Brands dress pant yoga pants are my go-to pants because uh, right now, even though a lot of us are staying at home, staying at home is busy. We're working from home. I am uh, actually, I spend a lot of my day running up and down the stairs to uh, take care of my two-year-old and help coordinate virtual school for my six-year-old and then have meetings and, and doctor stuff and podcast stuff to do uh, for my job. And so I need pants that, um, you know, can transition easily from one thing to the next. I want to look professional for my Zoom calls and meetings. Uh, but at the same time, I might have to then go, you know, roll around on the floor of the playroom with my two-year-old right Mm -hmm. after that. And Beta Brand Dress Pant Yoga Pants allow me to uh, transition from one to the other without having to change clothes because they are totally functional and comfortable. They're wrinkle resistant. They're made of this stretch knit fabric that is perfect to wear all day, feel like you're wearing yoga pants, but they're dress pants. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they look great. They feel great. Um, I can't recommend them enough. I've been a fan for a long time and I wore them when I was working out in the world. And now that I'm working from home, they're still just as great. They're Mm -hmm. still my go-to. Taylor, if our listeners want to check out Beta Brand Dress Pant Yoga Pants, where should they go? Well, right now, our listeners can get 25% off their first order when you go to betabrand.com slash buffering. That's 25% off your first order for a limited time at betabrand.com slash buffering. Find out why people are ditching typical work pants for Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants. That's once again, betabrand.com slash buffering for 25% off. So we alluded to what happens over the credits, which again, we're already spoiling the film. I feel like this is this was part of the tension for me. And I wonder if like now knowing that this gets resolved, I would feel uh, less uncomfortable watching it a second time. Mm-hmm. Because I did enjoy it. It has that, it has a lot of that snappy Diablo Cody dialogue Mm -hmm. that we all enjoy so much, you know? So it's fun to watch. And there are parts of it that are genuinely funny, Mm -hmm. um, even though, like, overall, movies where, like, kids, I know they're teens, but they're kids, where kids die, that's hard for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But still, it had a lot of funny bits. But I needed that band to pay. (laughs) I needed to see them pay. Like, the whole movie for me was... I don't need Jennifer to pay. Jennifer already had, she already died. Mm -hmm. I need to see this band pay. And like finally at the end, Needy gets back at the band, but you have to wait till the credit scene Mm -hmm. to to see it happen, Mm -hmm. um, to see them, I mean, really pay, not just like get put away in jail. (laughs) Um, She, I mean, she murders them. 
Yes. With right, the like, same, thank you. <laughs> well, with the same knife that they used to murder Jennifer. Yes. Um, that she finds. But then it gets a little like, and I mean, that's the end of the movie. There's no, no nothing beyond that. It's during the credits. But then they show pictures of like the, the forensics people finding hairs mm-hmm. that are, I assume, are needies. And then it worried me a little bit. Like, why do we have to? I don't want to think about Needy going to jail again. She just broke out with her cool half demon powers. Yeah, but now and murdered these people. Now she's a powerful half demon. They're not gonna. No one's gonna mess yeah. with her. That's true. Yeah, I guess that, she could just pull out those powers again. And she broke out of jail. She did because she's a yeah. So Je- she did it once. Jennifer, do it again. Jennifer bit her, so she is now also part demon. Mm-hmm. And so she like levitates <laughs> her way and has super strength. Yeah. <laughs> out of it yeah so like i don't think she's gonna i don't think they're gonna get her mm-hmm. um now it does bring up the question like does she need to feast on human blood or flesh or whatever it looked like blood mm-hmm. was really the key there from I the eating about scenes that. is that is that necessary or ju- is that just because jennifer actually died that's probably just because she died, right? Like, because she's just part demon, that means she just gets the powers, but she's not dead, so she doesn't need to, like, feed on people? I don't know, maybe. Maybe, right? maybe she's just know. gonna pick more deserving victims, you know? Gen- Jennifer lost too mm-hmm. much of herself, but... Although, she, I think she would have taken advantage and eaten those ba- bad band boys, if that was the case, so... Th- they looked pretty much just stabbed. Hmm. Um, the, uh... So the the other part of it that I don't know that we've talked enough about is the relationship between the two of them, mm-hmm. Jennifer and Needy, because it it's set up for us that they have been best friends since they were very young. And like early on, you kind of because when you see them, you think like that's an odd pairing mm-hmm. to be friends in high school, you know, in a, in a high school environment where everything is about popularity and clicks and all that. Right. Jennifer is incredibly popular, obviously, and. You know, needy is nerdy. Like they gave her those glasses. I had to feel like those just... <laughs> glasses because uh, Amanda Seyfried is a is a lovely uh-huh. human, and so like they were trying to make her look believably like not attractive right. with those glasses. I guess <laughs> they were cute, yeah. but they were definitely like, look how quirky the, these are. <laughs> yeah. Um. But they but they set up that they've been best friends forever. And then, like, there's some sort of supernatural connection between them, I, I believe, that is alluded to even before Jennifer becomes a demon. Because uh, she can, like, hear her even when, like, she's too far away to be able to hear her. Mm-hmm. Or, like, she senses the band discussing her mm-hmm. when she's too far away to be able to hear them. And she, like, knows who she's with and can, like, know what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Feel the things she feels almost. Yeah. Um, which which I guess is traced to uh, a sandbox injury that Jennifer sustained. And when they were children and Needy, like, kissed her bloody hand or something. Yeah. Well, I think it's also, I mean, I, you know, I maybe this is, I don't know. I, I felt like the central relationship, I know that, you know, Needy has a, Needy has a boyfriend, Chip, like Jennifer clearly talks, references other men that she's hooking up with, Chris Pratt's random appearance. Uh, yeah. But yeah. The, <laughs> he's there. Uh, this is pre-Parks and Rec, so it's weird that he's just there as like a bit part, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, he just kind of like shows up and then says some jerky things and disappears yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
But uh, the central relationship, the love story of this movie is between Jennifer and Needy. I mean, I think for a movie that promised in the trailers that it was going to be sexy, sexy Megan Fox, like, <laughs> so basically, the mm-hmm. first scene yeah. is this loving slow shot of Jennifer, like, in the, I think she works, at the, that's not, she's not a cheerleader, she's, like, part of the flag team, I think. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But it's from Needy's perspective. And I don't, it's, you know, it's a subtle turn. It's not a sexual shot. It's not like the slow pan up, like focus on cleavage. It's just, this is the beautiful Jennifer who is staring right back at Needy and gives her like a sweet wave and they wave at each other. And it's a moment between the two of them. Like that is the first moment we, well, there's an intro to where the place, where the movie goes. But that's yeah. the first time we see them in the flashback. And yeah. I mean, you get like those repeated moments of like, their characters sort of on the verge of something between them. Like, before Mm -hmm. everything goes to heck, um, quite literally, uh, when Mm -hmm. they're watching the band, they they hold hands for a brief moment, and then as, you know, as Jennifer focuses on Adam Brody's character, the hot male singer, (laughs) you could see disappointment on Needy's face as she pulls her hand away from Jennifer. So I... I, mm-hmm. At least there's attraction, I think, from needy to Jennifer. But then I would also say it's it's reciprocated, and I think that that's yeah. not. I don't think it was gay baiting. I think it was an intentional sort of, uh, you know, meditation on the thin line between these these best friends and soulmates. They're connected on a level that most humans are not, and then mm-hmm. crossing the line into like more of a romantic love between them. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, because I definitely think as much as we said, like, the scene where Jennifer gets murdered feels very much like a sexual assault scene, even though that's not what it is. The scene where Needy finally kills Jennifer feels like it's starting out as a sex scene. It does. Like, it has very much that, like, it starts out in... I mean, I, well, I mean, it takes place in Jennifer's bed mm-hmm. and the way that it's shot and the angles of it, it feels very much like that's what they're alluding to mm-hmm. is like the two of them finally like being together. Although I don't know, it's sort of alluded to several times like that they used to play, quote unquote, boyfriend, boyfriend and girlfriend. girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I don't know that the and when they do make out in the movie, Needy is surprised, but not like why would you ever do this surprised mm-hmm. just like why are you doing this right now why right now and also i just saw you like jump on top of my car <laughs> covered in blood yeah so <laughs> i'm also a little concerned about yeah. that you might be a demon <laughs> well and, and you know even through jennifer's demoness in that moment she decided to seek needy out and tell her the truth like she's going to mm-hmm. reveal what she is and mm-hmm. what she does to needy uh, so i don't i don't know i think that there's still some remnant of jennifer that has that affection obviously it's very twisted because demon but (laughs) right right yeah no i i think it's true i think that's what's hard is that i don't think jennifer would hurt needy even after she's become a demon now she will hurt her indirectly by killing chip but it was more about isolating her Mm -hmm. keeping her for herself well i mean you and know. that's even from the even before she's a demon, you know, that Chip mm-hmm. asks Jennifer to stop stealing away his girlfriend. Because clearly this happens mm-hmm. a lot, that Jennifer makes mm-hmm. Needy choose between her boyfriend and her to reinforce that Needy's going to keep choosing Jennifer. Like, I'm not saying it's like a wholesome, great relationship that Needy and Jennifer have. 
I think Jennifer's pretty controlling of Needy, um, even before demonhood. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I do think that that's, you know, that that's something that Jennifer does for her own confidence is to prove, oh, Needy's going to always choose me over Chip. Like... Which, I don't know, maybe that's the difficulty of reading all of that relationship and, like, what it all is supposed to mean, like, who, who, what everybody's true feelings are. Like, seeing that now maybe makes it a little harder because I think more and more, thankfully, we're living in a time where needy would be seen as bi. Mm-hmm. And possibly Jennifer, too. I mean, I assume, although... Well- I, her her I don't know it's a little more nebulous because because of when it's set there's also this question of is does Jennifer feel pressured to be this like hyper feminine popular like kind of prom queen girl and so therefore could not yeah recognize other feelings and so is she bi or is she gay is she mm-hmm. a lesbian i you know i mean i don't know and so like whenever we're looking back at these films that are filmed in the past it's, it's so hard to see them through our lens of now like what what is everybody feeling hmm. i just I to me know. it just felt more obvious like when when they're just like there are moments where like the way the way that and i mean i think this is a credit to megan fox's acting the way that she talks to needy throughout the movie pre-demon as demon it's is it's very loving it's very very flirtatious like when she tells her to wear something cute and like literally gives her elevator eyes like it's that is i think purposeful that there is something between them that is it's not supposed to be oh maybe they're just friends and i don't know maybe Mm -hmm. maybe the reason that i it, it that relationship felt very obvious to me is because i remember what it was like to be in high school and have that very good friend, that very good girl who was my friend, and and trying to wrestle with those feelings of like, it's totally normal to be incredibly jealous of your best friend's boyfriend, right? And to hate him and want him to go away, right? <laughs> no, no, nope, it's not. It's not normal. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, and I think, I think that that, I think you're exactly right. I think that's what I was trying to suss out as I was watching it. Is that what I'm seeing? Are these two people who love each other, but because of when and where they are, they're unable to fully recognize it themselves or just say it out loud? Do they know it? I I don't, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's definitely there. Yeah. I don't think there's, I don't think there's any suggestion like, but they're just friends. Well, yeah. that's, that's where I think it, it it changes from, you know, the way it was sold, which is, oh, there's going to be a hot makeout scene just because girl on girl action is hot. And no, this is a, a kind of twisted love story between these two, this this doomed love story between these two characters. I mean, even like the last line that they of their interaction is, you know, Needy stabs Jennifer in the in the boob, <laughs> but mm-hmm. her heart and, you know, Jennifer references her chest and Needy says, no, your heart. And I mean, I think that moment where it's sort of everybody sees Jennifer yeah. for her body. I mean, the name of the movie is literally Jennifer's body, which I'll come back to because that's mm-hmm. also a song title. Uh, but everybody sees Jennifer for her body, for how hot she is, for the thing that she is. And Needy is the person that loves her for her, who she is as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't really thought about that line, but yeah. Yeah, that's true. Also, like... I you're right in the way that the mar- movies like marketed and the trailers and stuff you do get those shots that's like this is sexy Megan Fox like you know the in the lake and and making out with uh, needy 
but that unzipping of the, the of the shirt, shirt mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. But overall, there's very little actual like nudity or sexuality or sexualization mm-hmm. of her throughout the movie. Like it's not like she's always wearing like super revealing clothes or you see her like hooking up with guys in in detail. I mean, if anything, she like unzips her shirt that one time, but only so she can distract the guys long enough to murder them. Yeah. <laughs> and eat them. Yeah, it's it's definitely and I and I can see where like going into it if if it's been sold like I said as this like kind of like typical teen horror film with mm-hmm. like sex and blood and guts and there you go like all you know a lot of teen horror films mm-hmm. are kind of sold that way yeah um but it's it's so much more than that it's a story about trauma it's a story about um a relationship between two women that definitely goes beyond friendship but cannot be fully realized or is not fully realized yet or you know whatever whatever that is that's there um and revenge and like who is who is really the victim i mean there's so much more that's underneath it and if you pick up on all that it's not all just i would say like a fun ride mm-hmm. you know it's not just all like ooh that was that was wild that yeah. was gory i mean it, there's a lot more to it mm-hmm. if you read all that into it mm-hmm. well cuz i think it i think the 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 way the movie is shot in the scenes where you might a different hand might be able to more sexualize Megan Fox. I don't think she's shot in a sexy way. I think a lot Mm-mm. of times it's very scary. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad. I mean, the way they sh- they do her her whole makeup when she's you know hungry, it's very like she looks sick. So it's mm-hmm. it's not. I don't think it's it's. There's nothing sexy about the way they frame Jennifer. There's there's the beloved way we see her from Needy's perspective, and then there's just the monstrous way she's shot as the demon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is the song Jennifer's Body? Yeah. Okay, so the the title comes from a song by the band Hole, Courtney Love's band. Um, mm-hmm. And Jennifer's Body, it's a really brutal song. That uh, There are a couple interpretations, but it's it's definitely about like a woman who's been kidnapped and is eventually dismembered. So oh. it's a, by, by a man. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, you know, kind of just about a woman being abused and destroyed. Uh, and then now the song Violet by Hole appears in the end credit as well which has a similar theme i mean you know they take what they want and then they never want it again like also about sort of just being destroyed by you know those who desire you so i think that that's i think the title is sort of encapsulating what this movie is going to be about it's it's about mm-hmm. the way that women's bodies are you know both metaphorically and actually sometimes sort of dissected and picked apart and and consumed mm-hmm. by society and not hmm. not respected for the person inside yeah well i think that was a i think that was a good summary right there <laughs> yeah. of the movie i think that was a good a good beat to end on because that is yeah. that is definitely what it's speaking yeah. to I, I will say I, I we should have mentioned this in the beginning but there it is uh there is humor in the movie there there are words used that's it's teen humor but it's not mm-hmm. it's not okay you know just like jokes that they make language that they use that i think it's mm-hmm. definitely a little outdated and it's not very sensitive yeah. so i would yeah. warn anyone going in that there's there's some problematic language and the you know joking going on mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's two 2009 yeah 
Yeah, so I, I actually thought it was it was older than that because of some of the jokes. I'm like, oh wow, you were we were still writing movies like that in 2009. It's it's really like it's wild how yes how recent all how recent I know. <laughs> um, well, I overall though I will say I enjoyed it. Me too. Um, I thought it was a good movie. Like I said, it was not. It was very different. I want to watch it again now that I kind of know what it's about. Um, so that I can like pay more attention to all those bits in it because I think the first time I really just thought like because you like some gory movies <laughs> and so I assumed like oh this is just gonna be like gory teen movie and then it was sure. it was very it was a whole other thing well I I won't lie I do I do agree with your kind of like mm-hmm. I it's a it's an unfair ending it's not happy because I do think if it was if if, if I could rewrite the ending I would much rather see needy and her hot demon girlfriend taking revenge on the world right. <laughs> it's kind of like how I, nancy gets that treatment in the craft and i'm just i just uh-huh. wish that she could have been redeemed in some way and they could have kept their yeah. power i don't want to see powerful women lose their power i want to see them learn how to harness it and not mm-hmm. be destructive but that's that's my gripe <laughs> well it was good anyway yeah thank you tay yeah well you're thank very, you for yeah, watching this with me <laughs> all right Oh, man. Riley, you oh, look so boy. excited. Riley's over here grinning. <laughs> I, um, it's the moment everyone ever that has listened to this podcast ever has been waiting for. <laughs> um, there are very few, I would say, movies of specifically, I think, my generation, like when I was growing up, mm-hmm. um, that everyone knows about and can talk about. And one of those is Twilight. Oh no! <laughs> now, Cindy, you don't get to say "oh no." no I'm joking. You, I was loved, the audience there. I was. You the loved Twilight, yeah, yeah. That was our listeners, but I, Cindy was very into Twilight. I did read all the books and watch all the movies, and I more I, than once. And so, <laughs> now I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Uh, I've never read any of the books, mm-hmm. um, and I've never seen any of the movies straight through. Oh man! Yeah. Well, you don't have to read the books, obviously. Yeah. Well, and we'll talk book. mostly about the first one. I'll yeah. probably end up rewatching the whole thing, but we'll talk about the first we one. Can, we'll, we if as long as you can watch the first one. Yeah. I, I can watch focus the movies. On the first How, there, there are three. It's a trilogy. Four. Four. Right? Yeah. Didn't they break? It's a trilogy of Our, books. Or wait, no, there's four books, aren't there? They broke the last one into two movies, like they usually do. Twilight, New Moon, Eclipse, and Breaking Dawn. There yeah, are four, so there are four. five movies. There are five movies. That's what I was going to say. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the best. first one most. I'll get through what I can. It uh, gets well, progressively just, stranger. It does. <laughs> well, and now, just recently, just, I know we're wrapping up here, but they, they just released, uh, Stephanie Myers just released a retelling mm-hmm. of the first one from the the Sparkly Boys perspective, right? Yes. Yeah. From Sparkly Boys okay. perspective. What is it called? Midnight Sun? Is that what it is? Uh, yes. I have not read I, it. I haven't either. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, from the reviews. I kind of want. To. I know. <laughs> I was say that's the only thing I know about. It. Like, I, I just saw somebody review it on YouTube that I uh, was curious because it sounded interesting. Anyway, all right. Yeah, we're going to talk about Twilight. Get ready. I'm kind oh. of excited. Okay. <laughs> At least Kristen Stewart's there. That's true. <laughs> Robert Pattinson. You know, Robert Pattinson's also good. No, he's, he's good. He's right? Good. He's good. Yeah. I like I like current Robert Pattinson. I like both mm-hmm. of them now, actually, as presence in Hollywood. I think yeah. they both have grown into themselves. So. Taylor Lautner's okay, isn't he? Yeah. See, they're they're all good. Anna Kendrick is in this movie. Anna Kendrick oh. forgot she was in this movie, but she is. 
I love that. All right. You're going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure I will. I will keep an open mind. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both. This was fun. This was fun and spooky. Um, Twilight is less spooky, but it will be fun. <laughs> uh, thank you, listeners. And thank you, Maximum Fun. You should go to MaximumFun.org and check out all the wonderful podcasts that you would enjoy. Um, you should tweet at us at SillBuff. I apparently don't have enough coffee in me right now. <laughs> and you should email us at SillBuffering at MaximumFun.org if you have thoughts or suggestions or questions or comments. Uh, and you should vote. I already said that, but I'll say it again. You should definitely vote. And you should stay safe and wear a mask and wash your hands and take care of each other. And... Thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby, Change Your Mind. <laughs> this has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And, and I am too. Boo! Ooh. Oh, you scared me. Yeah. All right. That was the scary one. <laughs> that, was so good. that was a good one. <laughs> very clever. <laughs> Video games. Video games. Video games. You like them? Maybe you wish you had more time for them. Maybe you want to know the best ones to play. Maybe you want to know what happens to Mario when he dies. <laughs> In that case, you should check out Triple Click. It's a podcast about video games. A podcast about video games? But I don't have time for that. Sure you do. Once a week, Kickback as three video game experts give you everything from critical takes on the hottest new releases to scoops, interviews, and explanations about how video games work to fascinating and sometimes weird stories about the games we love. Triple Click is hosted by me, Kirk Hamilton. Me, Jason Shire. And me, Maddie Myers. You can find Triple Click wherever you get your podcasts and listen at MaximumFun.org. Bye! MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.